Hey, Jordy. I think you're really going to love this one. Uh, we talked probably the first 10 plus minutes about hockey, and I know you're a hockey fan. Oh, awesome. Yes, definitely. Yeah, lots of lots of hockey talk. I'm uh, really excited to chat with a good friend of mine. I've known him for a long time. His name's Mike Neal. He is coaching now in the, in the world of triathlon, but him and I spent many years as pro triathletes racing against each other and in the twilights of our careers, we actually spent a lot of time training together. So became a very uh, close friend and it was really great to touch base with him and hear his take on triathlon and dogs and hockey and all that cool stuff. Is this the same Mike Neal who scored a ton of goals on me in hockey? Because I know there's one out there and I've been looking for him. Is this the same one? This is the same guy. I hate Are you him. kidding me? I'm oh. not kidding. This is the same guy that lights you up pretty much every time we step on the ice. Oh, the Zambonis. Well, well I'll, uh, I'll be sure to edit a bunch of his stuff out or I'll put in random bleeps so we won't know what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enjoy, enjoy the show, buddy. Uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for checking in and uh, yeah. I hope you enjoy right. the listen. Yeah, we'll get it out as, as soon as you guys are done. Thanks, buddy. All right, later. You're listening to The Habit Podcast. Oh, that sounds like a cold one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to explain though that it is actually Friday night, Jasper. It's Friday night, and uh, we have a hard cutoff of an hour for two reasons, Mike. The first reason is that the recording time I have allotted on this app we're using is one hour. But the other, <laughs> more important reason is I have to go to hockey, and uh, unfortunately, I won't be going with you. Maybe that's where we could start tonight. Is maybe you can explain to everybody why you won't be joining us for hockey tonight. Well, actually, I'm just I'm coming off a broken ankle, so that's. Um... That might be why I'm not going to make it out tonight, Jasper. I No, I think there's a little more to that, uh, Mike. <laughs> Maybe you want to dive in a little deeper? Okay, well, I've, I've played um, a total of uh, a game and a half this year. Um, first game of the season, I, I broke my ankle and uh, had to have surgery, get six, uh, six pins and uh, six screws and a plate put in there. And then after a nice three-month hiatus... Uh, waiting for it to heal, I came back and played my first game last Saturday night, which I was very excited to do. And then, uh, unfortunately, we played a rather chippy team that thought we were uh, that thought we were in the NHL, and uh, I ended up uh, getting into a small altercation <laughs> in the third period. And, and and subsequently, I have been suspended for three games. <laughs> And that concludes our podcast. That's great. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Thanks for sharing uh, your adversity and uh, how it all went south. Just to make make everybody sort of aware of what we do. Well, uh, we retired. Well, at least I retired from triathlon. About I, I still five. haven't retired. Yeah, you're on your way. We'll get into that a little deeper. But uh, yeah, um, we started playing uh, beer league hockey about five years ago. Uh, you're no stranger to hockey and uh, I'm going to ask you about that in a bit, but I just want to kind of set the backdrop here. So we play, uh, you know, in a hockey league in Victoria, it's quite a large league. And, uh, if memory serves, it's about $675 for the season and you've played two games. Yeah. I'm really getting my money's worth. 
I was, so, I was really happy to get that email that I owe another 150 bucks too. So at the moment you're at about $337.50 per game, which is not a bad deal. I mean, we did play at Save on Foods Center, the big this is, this, center. This is true. And when you consider how much I, I, I now pay to enter Ironman races, yeah, um, it's, good, it's really, it's, it's a drop in deal. the bucket. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Iron Man, you get what you know a half. Well, in Iron Man, you get about eight hours worth of pleasure, and yeah. uh, <laughs> and you've had two for about the same price with hockey. Yeah, and one broken leg, and uh, and a fight, and, and a yeah torn up knuckle. So, so so far so good. I just I do want to say on our hockey team, uh, you are one of the more respected guys, and I think there's two reasons for that. I mean, when you're not there, we talk behind your back, and. In the dressing room, everybody sort of talks about the guys who aren't there when they're not there. And your name definitely comes up a lot, partly because I haven't been there. Yeah, exactly. And so one of those is that you actually are a very good hockey player. Uh, you have a, a hockey history. You know how to play the game well. Uh, but the the other is that you're you're a bit of an old school player, meaning like you don't take shit from people. You're you get in there if it's getting rough, you stand up for the team. Whereas I'm the complete opposite. I I sort of watch from the sidelines. I have no uh, idea how to generate conflict in a hockey game. I sort of avoid it at all costs because I don't want to die. Well, when, when I was in that altercation uh, last, I guess it was last Friday, last Saturday night, it was good to know that you were behind behind me uh, watching. I was, yeah, yes. from a very yes. safe distance. Yes. I did yes. notice other members of our team getting yeah. in there, just <laughs> trying to pull people off. But I just You thought, tried to defuse the yeah. situation with your words. I, <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, just settle down. Why is everybody so upset? This is one of my favorite lines is to tell the guys it's unnecessary if they, you know, take a stick to my head. Um, but I, I have felt hockey rage twice. I twice in my life. I saw it um, once. Yeah, I once. saw it once. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've never seen anybody slosh a guy's ankle so hard in my life. Yeah, that's yeah. as far up as I could reach. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I do remember it. The guy was cross-checking me in front of the net and got to understand. I didn't grow up playing hockey, so it's, it's not my reaction to be in a fight. Yeah. But I think if you played hockey, it's, that's kind of the reaction. Is, I had, is to, it's funny. I had that, uh, that conversation with, uh, with Sandy, my wife this morning when we were, she was asking like, what would make you actually do that? And I said, you know, in hockey, there is that, that part of it where you kind of, it's the fight or flight. You kind of go to your reptilian brain. If you, if you feel somebody's done something to you, it's like there's not a whole lot of, I guess just from growing up playing hockey too, there's just kind of a, an automatic switch where you just go to, you can't do that. Right. And uh, yeah. that's kind of where I went when this guy butt-ended me in the face. And uh, I like to consider, think that I'm like one of the most gentlemanly players out there, but I definitely went to the reptilian part of my brain. Yeah. Uh, on, on that. And it, it's, it's really stupid. And it is like, that's the one thing I don't like about that league, uh, that we play in is that there is, there are some guys out there that are just, they're just out there to, to, to get in those kind of fights. And I don't know if it's because it's beer league and guys are drinking beer beforehand mm-hmm. or, or what it is, but that kind of stuff is just, it's just ridiculous. And when you have refs that aren't going to take care of it, police the game, then, that's kind of, that's what happens. And that's exactly what happened in that game. And unfortunately I get to pay $330 a game now to play. 
<laughs> what makes me really upset about the whole situation is that there's clearly marked signs in the dressing room saying we shouldn't drink alcohol <laughs> and, uh, and nobody we'll be prosecuted. Yeah. Nobody seems to adhere to those <laughs> rules except me. And I mean to tell the guys every time guys <clears throat> anyway, but I, as I said, I, I do remember feeling hockey rage twice. I'll, I'll give you both examples. The first uh, was a guy was cross-checking me in front of the net uh, one time, two times, three times. And then on the fourth, it nearly knocked me to the ground and I just suddenly lost it. And I felt what I think most guys feel. And before I knew it, I sort of transferred my hockey stick into sort of a golf grip <laughs> and I swung around and like hit him in the shins with my stick as hard as I could. And then I looked up and this guy was massive and he was just looking at me like, what did you just do? And I think he was just about to pummel me. Uh-huh. And then you skated in and, and this true story, you yeah. skated in and you, you took that one for me and got kicked. I, you I got, kicked, I got kicked out of the game. I think I got kicked out of that game. You did. You got yeah. kicked out. And then I just kept playing and yeah. Yeah. I was like, hockey's a great game. <laughs> Oh man! These are the only two times I've ever been kicked out. We should make that clear. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, that I mean that that's one of the the cool things about hockey too is there's like I don't know there's certain unwritten rules in the game and and uh, it's really changed a lot. That's like if you watch hockey now, there's a lot of that. It's just you don't have fighters, you don't have enforcers, you don't have um, that that part is really has really left the game. But if you go in and play in a beer league, um, there's still guys that want to. Take on that role, apparently. Yeah. Even though it's like full, like non-contact. It's non-contact. It's yeah. so stupid. But yeah. Anyhow. Anyhow. But we love it. That's what... This know? is the thing. Yeah. And this is why I'm so disappointed that you're going to miss three yeah. more games yes. uh, after coming back from a broken leg. Yeah. And uh, I'm bummed because as I said to you a couple days ago, the late nights are, what, are the hardest part. Yes. And they're just easier if you're picking me up with a coffee. And normally that's the way it works. You yeah. know, it's... Uh, there's not many things I, we always joke about that. Like there's nothing, I would not leave at 10. I would not leave this house at 10 at night to go. And uh, we're at my house right now. I would not leave my house at 10 at night to go to a bar. I would not yeah. leave at my house at 10 at night to go to a swimming pool, which I used to do back when I was learning how to swim. But to go to a hockey game, is the only thing I would leave, leave to do late at night. Cause it's uh, yeah, it's the highlight of a week of the week for uh, I think both of us now, which is quite different than when we moved to Victoria yeah however many years ago yeah you know totally and uh, i feel the same way i i love it i i say to people it's the only thing i really do in my life right now where i feel like a kid yeah like i feel that energy i used to have as a kid when i was playing pretty much anything so if i was playing soccer if i was skiing or whatever i was doing Mm -hmm. i had this energy that was just like so excited to be out there I would look at the clock and, and I hate if there's five minutes left yes. and I'm like, oh man, it's almost over. This sucks. How many and times have we been on the ice and like with a couple minutes left and do we go off? Do we go off? We look at each other with no the whistle, when the no whistle way. blows like, do we go off? No this, way. this is probably going to be the last time we're on here. Totally. Long yeah. shift. And I, yeah. I get that. And I think some of the games, I, I can even remember some of the games where we know we're the last group on the ice. So it's ending around midnight mm-hmm. and the Zamboni doesn't come out. And like 45 minutes later, we're still out there taking Just slap you know, shots. I, I know everybody yeah. thinks we're nuts. Yeah. 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 But, but uh, yeah, that's the one thing that I, I've, I've um, often told people that, that I used to get in triathlon that um, 
you know, like when you're in the midst of a hard training session or you're in the midst of a race where you're not thinking about anything else. You're not thinking about the problems you have going on outside of, you know, in your life or, you know, the, the little minutia of life, but you're just in the moment. And that's, I think what, uh, what hockey gives, well, I, I, I don't mean to speak for you, but I think for both of us now, it's like when you're in it, you're in the moment and yeah. that's, uh, that's why I, that's what I really miss about hockey. And, yeah. uh, and I think it affects the other parts of my life too. When I don't have that part, you know, even if it's just two hours a week yeah. where you're just totally immersed in something and you're, you forget about everything else. And there's also the part with it, you know, just being in the dressing room with the guys, there's a, that's a, that's a certain kind of thing. You don't, you don't get in triathlon, but in hockey, you really get that time to yeah. hang out with, with uh, some guys and not talk about all the other stuff in your life, work and all that. It's just hanging out and, yeah. Making fun of everybody and totally. Yeah. 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 Is, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love it. And I'm, uh, I'm certainly glad I discovered it into my, uh, post triathlon years. The habit podcast is brought to you by renew enhanced tea. Renew has created the world's first ready-to-drink tea-based functional beverage engineered using the science of sleep to promote daytime recovery and nighttime rejuvenation. Renew Enhanced Tea is formulated to help you get back to your best by reducing physical and mental stress, restoring and revitalizing your brain and body. Renew Enhanced Tea is light, refreshing, contains only 50 calories, and tastes amazing. To learn more, visit RenewEnhancedTea.com. That's R-E-N-U EnhancedTea.com. So that's that. Let's start there. Or have we? I think we've started. We're we're eleven minutes in. Oh boy, we got forty nine minutes. Oh boy. Uh, but let's start there. So you're a hockey player. Uh, can you tell me how you went? And tell me a little bit about your hockey. Mm-hmm. And then tell me how you went from that to triathlon. Yeah, well, I grew I grew up in Kingston, Ontario, playing hockey. Hockey and baseball were my two main sports, and you know, I always, you know, I grew up like a lot of kids, wanting to be um, wanting to be either a professional hockey player or a professional ball player, and uh, and I actually grew up playing with a lot of really good players, a lot of guys who went on to to play um, in the NHL or you know play at high level, at, like you know winning Memorial cups in the OHL. And, and so I was never, I was always just one of the guys that like, I, I came to hockey a little bit late. I think I was like Adam. So, um, but eventually I worked up to playing rep in Kingston and then, uh, playing some junior hockey and had some tryouts and, um, for some junior teams and went, went to Queens and played some, uh, played university hockey at Queens. And it was only a few games into playing for Queens that I, um, dislocated my kneecap and that pretty much ended my season there and then I went and played junior in Napanee uh Napanee Ontario home of Avril Lavigne so hey. yeah yeah um that's the the big claim to Avril Lavigne I don't think would have been born when you were doing this I thing. you know what I actually think that she came to games as a little kid no way yeah 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 I, yeah, I, I, yeah no I there was yeah. was she there with her skater boy yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, she was she was around, but she was she was obviously much younger. So is this just so you you went to play in Napanee? Was that with like a rep team? So you were like it was, it was a junior. It was actually it was actually called Junior C, believe it or not. But it was it was a pretty tough. the The one year I went there, um, there was a actually a few of us who went to play for Napanee because, well, a they were paying us to play, 
which when I was in university and, you know, it was beer money and it was, you know, they would pay our travel expenses and stuff. And it was, there was a few of us and there was a couple of guys who had played in the OHL who'd come back to play there as well. God knows what they were getting. I think they were getting cars and stuff to play there. But um, we actually went on to win uh, the provincial championship one year. Uh, we played the Hanover Barons in the, <laughs> which is another little town, kind of northern Ontario. Um, and it was a big deal. I mean, when you play in a town of, you know, Napanee was about 5,000 people and there'd be 3,000 people at the game. So wow, wow. it was, uh, you felt like a rock star playing there. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was super fun. I'd say it was like one of the, you know, the best times of my life. And um, so we, that, yeah, so that was, I guess, when I was 18, 19. And then, I also like my last year there, I kind of injured my knee again. And I, and I knew that I was going to need an, um, I was kind of looking for another sport. And I remember I, I went to practice one time and in my stall, the guy who was sitting beside me, I guess it was the day before I had watched uh, Iron Man on, on, uh, it was the NBC coverage. And I don't know why I was, I was dating a rower from Queens at the time. So she was into endurance sports and she talked me to doing a 10 K and and I had seen this, uh, I, I had seen this, uh, NBC Ironman coverage. And I, I remember sitting beside the guy in my stall and I said, I think I'm going to try doing Ironman someday. And that was it. That was, I bought an, a triathlete magazine. And, uh, and then I just, you know, that year after, after we won the provincial championship, I started training more and more for, uh, started not training more and more. I started training to, to become a triathlete. Wow. And, and so what was year was that? Oh, that would have been 94 was the year I did my first triathlon. Do you remember the tri- triathlon? The the NBC coverage you watched, do you remember what year it was? Like yeah, it would have been it would have been Mark Allen winning um or was it uh it was No, you know what? It was uh who won the year before um Dave came back. It was so Mark. It was Mark it's Allen. Mark yeah. Allen, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. Because I went one of the <clears throat> first things I remembered doing i joined the queen's triathlon club so instead of going back to play hockey at queen's i joined the queen's triathlon club and uh largely because i went to clubs night one night and they like looked like they had amazing parties so (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. but there was uh martin ridlow no was there uh jamie chisholm yeah was was like one of the guys in the booth yeah uh there's this girl Ginny green and they were kind of like they were just you know super welcoming and stuff so i joined joined that club and the first thing was i had to learn how to swim yeah i couldn't i couldn't swim 25 meters so wow uh, i remember going to that first practice and uh and i just remember seeing martin ridlow just kind of shaking his head you know yeah and i thought it would be so easy i'm like i'm strong i'm a big strong guy i can yeah, swim yeah. uh little did i know but uh yeah that so that year was uh 1994 and i went to um uh the queen's Club got like really cheap entries to this triathlon camp in, uh, in Hamilton at McMaster. And it was being put on by Barry Shepley. Oh, yeah. This, yeah. And, you know, okay. So. I think we've all been to a, a Barry Shepley camp in Hamilton. And well, yeah. this, this one just happened to be when Dave Scott was making his comeback when he was 40. Yeah. And, uh, he was the guest, you know, no coach, way. I guess. Barry Shepley wow. had, had flown him up and, you know, was putting him up. So that was my first experience was to go to a triathlon camp with Dave Scott. Wow. And, wow. You know, the most down to earth guy came out and did workouts. He didn't have to, to do with us. And, and I mean, I am so, I don't know 
anything about triathlon and yeah. uh yeah it was just super just like super welcoming sport and that was i was hooked yeah so that was in 94 and then trent triathlon was my first triathlon up in uh i remember there was you swam in the pool at trent and then you got out onto the bike and there was snow on either side of the ground because it was you know early april or whatever yeah and uh yeah that was that was it i was a triathlete then i was no longer a hockey player wow yeah wow yeah that's crazy. I, I, my journey into triathlon was kind of the same timeline. I was actually in the Except States. Except you got good a lot quicker than I did. Well, no, I, I don't <laughs> know about that. Well, I think I had a little bit more, uh, background in the three sports probably than you did. Right. Um, but I was down in the States playing tennis and that's when I really got into it. And I remember a woman who was in my biology class came in one day, she sort of heard me talking about triathlon and she gave me like this bag full of triathlete magazines and they were all ones with like like mckeely jones on yes, the front yes, and like with the yes. old kind of stuff yeah. they used to wear and i just remember kenny souza kenny souza <laughs> mike pig was a big yes. part of those yeah. publications and i remember taking them back to my dorm room it was at university of wisconsin and I just couldn't put them down. Yeah. I was flipping through them and I just, something about it just totally appealed to me. I was the same. I would buy every traveling magazine when it came out. Totally. I could not wait for them to come out. Yeah, you yeah, know? totally. And it was back before, I mean, this is before internet. This is oh, before yeah. email. Yeah. This is before all that stuff. Yeah. So you before had Before TV? Before, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe for you. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Um yeah, but before all that stuff, so you had to wait like every month for these yeah. publications to actually get pictures and yeah. see and results and results. results from the races, yes, yes, like you couldn't just log yeah. in online yeah. or go to social media. Yeah. Um, but my sort of real spark for triathlon was right around the same time. And you mentioned watching the NBC coverage of in 94 when Mark Allen won. The one that got me really hooked was 95, I think. Maybe I'm getting the years wrong. It's 95 or 96. And it was the year Greg Welch won. And we, you know, you people, remember? people are going to send ah, all kinds of information. Cause yeah. I think it was actually, I think the one was, um, uh, cause didn't Greg Welch win when Mark Allen had to, when Mark Allen sat out one year, Mark Allen was the commentator. I yes. think the year of Welchy won. Yes, that's right. Anyway, whatever the yeah. years are, yeah. it's so long ago. Like we're, yeah. it's ancient. Yes. And like nobody, we're, even we're not expected. Those, no, nobody even knows who those people are. Now. No, I know when you coach <laughs> people now, they don't, they don't know who yeah. those names yeah. are. We're like, are yeah. you kidding? Anyway, I remember watching the NBC coverage of Welchy and it was when uh, Dave Scott made his comeback at 40 yeah. and Dave ended up coming second yeah. and Welchy won. And I would remember that. So close to him. Too, so close in the yeah. energy lab was yeah. like 60 seconds or yes. something. And I just remember watching that, and that was my big hook. Yeah, I was in. I was all in. I saw this little guy and found a guy who was your height. Yes, competing yes. at the top level in sport. Totally, yeah. and he was just so fluid and awesome. Yeah. And so I, I was like, I'm in. Yeah. And uh, so same kind of timeline. So anyway, you went from you, you jump into the Queens Tri Club, and then yeah. it, it kind of snowballs from there. It just you, snowball from there, and, yeah. And, and yeah, and I and I really did kind of just give up hockey completely. I went all in on trying to figure out how to swim and yeah. I ran a marathon. I remember going down and, and uh, I ran my first marathon down at, at the San Diego marathon. It was actually in Carlsbad. It was called the San Diego marathon, but it was actually North. And I remember I ran it. I went out and I ran three fifty seven 
Yeah. And I was like in the marathon. In the marathon. Whoa. And that's was, yeah, that's a slog. Yeah, yeah. And then I I thought, okay, I'm doing something wrong here. So I actually read about how to train. Yeah. A little bit. And then the next year I I because I went out, I was wearing that first marathon, I was wearing a cotton t-shirt. I went yeah. out, I ran a, a PB for 10K in the first 10K <laughs> of the marathon. So it was an absolute death march. Couldn't walk for a week after. Yeah. And then uh, and then I thought, okay, there's got to be. So I started, just became like learning about everything. Voracious reader. But, yeah. You know, uh, there, like you say, there was no internet. So it was just getting my hands on books and reading stuff. And Yeah. And then the next year I went back and ran the LA Marathon in 257. So you cut an, it took hour. an hour, it took an hour and a year, just, just Dude, by, just by, you the Queens tri club give you most improved. <laughs> <laughs> Crikey. No, I still couldn't swim. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> but, uh, but then, yeah. So I, I just, you know, I definitely improved quick on the run, um, the most, but I also, I mean, like I was in Kingston, so I was in kind of like, other than Victoria, Kingston was, was a real hotbed for, for triathlon because i remember going to my first track session with the with the local track group yeah and this would have been again it would have been in boat 90 95 i guess it was and uh and who shows up with this like you know young punk kid yeah wearing a, a project 2000 sydney shirt i'm yeah. like and he had long hair and i'm like and he and he like could run like the wind right yeah well it turns out that was simon whitfield right and that on. was the yeah, first yeah. time i met him the first time i met him he was wearing a shirt that said project 2000 Sydney. wow wow yeah so you know so he was there and um and we also had you know mark bates mark was, bates, mark was, bates that's was right from from, from yeah. kingston and then see people um, won't know who he is though the no, guy was like no. awesome on the world cup he was canada's top triathlete for a number number of years number of years, number of years. He, yeah. i think he might have gotten fourth at worlds one year that's right um, yeah yeah and uh and also jamie cleveland was there so i mean right. there's just a ton of guys and sharon donnelly right sharon um, she went to 2000 olympics with simon yeah yeah so there's yeah. just so many people to uh to train with and learn from and and uh yeah i mean i credit simon with getting my swimming me to actually swim because uh he told me you know he, he got me to swim with the kingston blue marlins yeah which was the swim team there and uh, I actually had to get special permission from the parents uh, for me to swim with the team because I was, I mean, I was 22, 23 <laughs> and uh, I was swimming in a lane with 10 year olds um, and 11 year olds. So like literally they had to go to the board and say, can, you know, like he's, you know, he's okay. Yeah. Can old you know, man, Mike, can, yeah. Can he, can the guy who has to shave? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wow. Um, so, so I, I joined them and then, um, John Hawes was the coach there who was an Olympian himself. And, and, you know, like it was just, I just went all in on it. I just was totally obsessed, uh, yeah. kind of OCD on triathlon and my family allowed, you know, I had a job that allowed me to do it. I was, I was, you know, I got my degree and was just started waiting tables and, and, uh, yeah, everybody, everybody that I came into contact in my life at that time, just opened doors for me, yeah. which was just great. And, yeah. um, yeah, so that that's kind of how that's kind of how that that uh, that came to be at that time. Yeah, um, and then I ended up racing you a bunch. We didn't know each other at all back then. Right, we did not yeah. know each other yeah. at all. I just knew that you were the guy winning all the races. That's and right. Always, that's right. Man. Say that again. Say that. <laughs> I missed that part, Mike. <laughs> yeah, you, you were on a bit of a you were on a bit of a tear there. Um, 
But that was back in the day when there was the all sport team. Remember that? Right. And I do remember of, that. It was yeah. kind of, we, it was like, there was the holy grail of, of, of things you, you know you aspired to there was rip and hammer and there was rip and hammer yeah that was awesome yeah. so you know there you look up i'd see these guys like Stephen tims and yep. paul yeah. white and yeah. all these guys who i just i wanted to be that you totally know? i just yeah. wanted to be that i wanted yeah. to, to get to to be what they you know you yeah. know you it was different than it is now it was different there was only there weren't as many guys yeah and there yeah. wasn't social media and stuff so it was you know, if you had a your ad in a in a magazine, yeah, then you were it's you, a big deal. Were, yeah, yeah. I remember all that too. And yeah, you and I have very sim- similar experiences because we kind of got going in it early. And I have, remember having the same feelings with like the Rip and Hammer crew. I was like, yeah, oh, you, those you, guys. Are, I was almost jealous. Like I was so, so cool. Jealous, I know, you know? they look, and they were yeah. like always like kind of the yeah. really good looking people. <laughs> and, and I couldn't. And, and there's no like I, I had no illusions of like I was not even close to them. You know, there's, yeah, yeah. Uh, me neither. There was Mike Buck and uh, yes, and uh, Noel, Noel Harrington. He was another guy. No, yeah. they're just and and you'd see sometimes like you'd see like I saw Jamie Cleveland getting sponsorships and stuff, and you're yeah. just like, oh man, I just I would just love to get free stuff. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, and and then I got a you know a couple breaks. And I got uh, New Balance and Power Bar, and I just was you know. Like, I was on top of the world. Amazing! You know? yeah. I got free shoes and free power bars. Like yeah. I'm, I'm a professional triathlete. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I have the I had the same thing. I my early sponsors were like that. And you, again, what strikes me is is before the before internet, yeah. before email. So yeah. I remember how we would get them. Yeah. I would write letters. Yeah. Did like you, I, I would I, mean, I would I would find out. I don't even know how I'd find their addresses. Yeah. But I would write letters and like post them in the mail and then wait, like wait for like a month. And then maybe you get a response that was maybe favorable. Saying no thanks. That's right. Yeah. But I remember like, yeah, like I made resumes with photos and like. Totally. I think I've seen one of those old ones you showed me. You pulled them up. Yeah. Yeah. Before I was so, so classic. Hey. Oh, the days, the good old days. But, and, and a lot of those guys are, you know, they're they laid the groundwork for every, everything that's followed, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, it is, is definitely, I actually ran into Clint this morning Clint yeah. on deck and yeah. we, got, we got talking about how it is just so different now for pros with the way different, you know, I don't know if I yeah. could do it now. I don't know if I could keep yeah. up with it. Me. But, yeah. Yeah. Cause we just had to train and race. We didn't have to manage social media accounts. Yeah. You know, so. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's one of the things I want to talk to you about tonight is I just, I, I would, almost hate to be racing now yeah. i have said you know to be a pro triathlete now even to be a good age group triathlete like you have to manage social media accounts yeah. so how many we have we have yeah. instagram we have twitter we have yeah. facebook yeah. we have instagram YouTube. instagram story youtube yeah. yeah so you have to manage all that yeah. you have to be a videographer yes you have to be a blogger although the the younger kids tell me blogging's kind of going out now i'm always like years behind right but you have to manage all these platforms. And I just, I don't know how they do it. I sometimes I'll see a pro athlete put post something yeah. and I'll be like, first of all, you cut into your workout to <laughs> do that. You calling me up one time and saying, <laughs> could you ever imagine you, this was an actual conversation that, that we had when you called me up and you said, Mike, could you ever imagine us stopping in the middle of a workout and pulling out a Polaroid and taking a picture <laughs> of ourselves? And then like finding, like finding a message board to post it. Yeah. And to be clear, we're not making fun. It's just like the reality that, yeah, yeah. 
that, that I think athletes live in now. And yes. I, I, I couldn't and do sponsors, it. That's what sponsors want. That's what sponsors want. And again, with sponsors, with my sponsors every month, I would write them a letter. I mean, like I would sit down with a pen and paper and I would like pen a letter. And then I would. I won the Guelph Lake Triathlon. Yes, yes. I won Guelph Lake. It was a hard fought (laughs) battle. And then I would fold it up and put it in the envelope and go to the post office and post it. Yeah. And that's how we communicated. And now, oh my gosh, like you have to be. It's so instantaneous. It's so instantaneous. And it's like, you know, it. Yeah, well, I, I think that I mean we both find that with our businesses now too. It's like in the in the world of coaching, it's kind of you've got to manage all these platforms yeah. just to to keep your business in the yeah out there. And it's yeah, it's it's a different time, but at the same yeah. time, it gives us our business exactly. So, yeah, you know? yeah, and yeah, yeah. And that goes for triathletes too. I think it's you know like there's one thing. I mean, the one person I follow a lot on, on social media is Lionel Sanders. Yeah. Because he puts yeah. out interesting stuff. Yeah, totally. And he's you know? kind of, he's like way out there in left field doing crazy stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like five-hour trainer it. rides. He doesn't yeah. Hide yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, I think we both shake our heads a lot, but yeah. it's, yeah. it's uh, he's putting it all out there and he cops to when things aren't going well. Totally. Is, yeah. He's very honest, I find. Yeah. He's just sort of like, you know, he's. He just like good days, bad days, whatever. Yeah. He's he's just kind of letting her rip, yeah. and he's almost like a bull in a china shop. Like he's just giving her. It and, is it yeah. is it is reality. It is triathlon reality TV. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. Totally. Like I am always checking his YouTube just to see. Okay, what's he up to yeah. now? Yeah, I would love to. One of the things that fascinates me about uh, him is uh, his relationship to pain and discomfort. Mm-hmm. I feel like he must have a, a different relationship than mm-hmm. a lot of athletes. I, although. Uh, I think a lot of the good ones have an interesting relationship with that. We don't need to get into that now, but I, I with him, I, it strikes me that he's he has either a very peaceful relationship with it or something. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Anyway, well, he's racing this weekend, so it'll be. Is I that hope he has uh, a good one, that Indian Wells? Indian race. Wells. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hope he has a good yeah. one. I've done some training at Indian Wells. That's bringing back some memories, Mikey. <laughs> Let me tell you, back in '99. Uh, we were chasing World Cup points around because yeah. it was all that stuff leading into Sydney, and we were, there's right. a few of us trying to get there. I mean, yes. uh, we we never ended up getting there, but we were we were it's having a go. It's all about the attempt. Yes, it's exactly. It's the journey. It's the journey. It's not the destination. <laughs> Although there are a few destinations that would have been <laughs> kind of nice. Um, but I remember training. Uh, we did a stop in Palm Springs. Uh-huh. And I was uh, with, with Rich Patey. I was okay. on a road trip okay. with Rich Patey okay. and Nick Southwell. Oh, yeah. Southie, you remember <laughs> Southie? Yeah. And uh, this other guy, his name's escaping me, he's a U.S. guy. And we, were, we rented a van. Uh-huh. We landed in Las Vegas and we were going to hit three or four ITU points races. Uh-huh. And when we got in the van, we'd been driving for like an hour. And somebody was like, oh, whose bag is this? And it was nobody's. <laughs> so one of us had grabbed like a bag from the, this, the is, this is dead true story. I'm glad it's like 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, somebody grabbed the bag thinking it was somebody else's. It was none of ours. And you know what was inside? What's that? A video camera. Oh, boy. I'm not kidding. So we videoed the whole trip. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think there was an address tag and I think we sent it back. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We videoed like... <laughs> We videoed our whole oh trip. Like, that you know, when you funny. carry a gnome around? Yes. yes. It was kind of like that. I yeah. 
I'm not sure if we, I think we kept the tape. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we did a stop in Palm Springs and I remember going for a bike ride and they have that wind farm there. Yeah. And we were all on discs and stuff. Like we uh-huh. had like the old school wheels with the big tri spokes and the discs. What do you think? Dra- we could do drafting races with discs? Yes. Yeah. I think yeah. you, I think yeah. we were doing drafting races yeah. with, with discs for mm-hmm. sure we were. Yeah. And, uh, Anyway, I remember going for a ride out in the wind farm there and we got about 10 minutes out and we all thought we were going to die. We actually got off our bikes and walked home because <laughs> it was so windy. Um, oh man, that's funny. Yeah. Anyway, so. Uh- the Habit Podcast is brought to you by Group 11, websites for athletes. Your super simple, couple of clicks, drag and drop, stylishly bold, single page website. Many athletes are wasting time and money on high powered systems like Squarespace, Wix, WordPress and others, which all require technical know-how and solid design chops to create a page that looks great and communicates well. Group 11 makes it quick and easy to update with desktop and mobile editing. And the focused customization options keep your attention on what matters most, the content. To learn more, check out group11.co. That's group11.co. Where were we? Anyway, so you get in, you're into triathlon. And, uh, but you end up having like a really successful career. Like you, you race as a pro for well, how yeah. many years? Success is, you know, they talk about dream and hockey players and baseball players. Yeah. That's what I would consider myself. Okay, well, d- define that for me. Cause I, well, I was, I was always, you know, kind of hanging out in the top 10. I never yeah. won a race. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I, I mean, I, I, I wish I, I like yourself, I would be able to put Ironman champion. On my, I put on it my everywhere. I know you did, dude. You never let me forget. Yeah, that's how you introduce yourself at dinner parties. I put it in my Christmas cards, dude. <laughs> Mike, happy Christmas from Iron Man champion. Yeah, I know, Jazz. It's uh, I'll stop doing that actually. Now, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Um, I'm over it now. Yeah. Um, you know, my hockey jersey has like my number and the champ, <laughs> just the champ. This is why I get into fights on the ice, Jazz. um anyways uh yeah so i I never i never did win a race i i usually and i mean i i but i was always in the top 10 i always did i always did well i think i think i got the most out of out of the talent that i had i never Mm -hmm. considered myself like a i was never super talented i was a good runner Mm -hmm. and i did well in the heat yeah those two things served me well but i was never super talented i just worked really hard and i and i again i surrounded myself with really good people yeah and i had a really good coach for my entire yeah. career is that randy randy yeah randy zabukovic um out of kingston and who i still to this day um you know when i when i need a need a coach i i go to him um so i was just i was i was just very lucky to do well enough to you know keep some sponsors and and uh I did do Hawaii 11 times and, uh, finished it 10 times. Yeah. And but the high, the highest I finished there was 21st. Yeah. And, um, I think but, honestly of, of all the things, cause he did have a really successful career. I like, I think you shouldn't discount that at all. I think you did amazing for a guy who came from hockey and then like early twenties, you pick up yeah. the sport, like you did really well. But I think 
the the place where you really shone was Hawaii, and that's the hardest place to do well. Well, it was just I I always base my season around that race. That was the race that got me. Like when I sat down and that and told that guy at the my hockey team that I wanted to do Ironman. That was the race I wanted to do. Yeah. So that was a race that every year I planned my season around. So I always picked races. This was back before points. Um, I always pick races that I would allow me to qualify for Hawaii. So I'd usually do one race, qualify for Hawaii and, and go there and, and try and do really well there. And I always, I always considered Hawaii was always the, the measuring stick. It was always, you know, that's where all the best guys in the world were. So I wanted to go there and race um, against the best. So I do consider that, you know, those couple of years where I was in the 20s, those were great races for me. I mean, I, you know, I, I consider those my best races ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I think the highest I ever finished was fourth at Coeur d'Alene one year. And, but I had an, a lot of top tens and, you know, for my first, I got very lucky. My first race, I did Lake Placid the very first year that the first mainland USA race was my, my actually, actually my first Ironman, um, in 1999 in uh, Lake Placid. And again, I just, you know, I kind of, it all clicked, um, and, you know, Randy had me prepared to, to race, to race really well there. And that qualified me for Hawaii right there. So my first year, and I was training with Jamie Cleveland a lot back then too. And he was, he was doing really well. So yeah. I had a really good training partner there and a good coach and just everything. I, I, I just was very lucky with, uh, with the people I chose to train with. And then coming out here to Victoria around the same time you did, mm-hmm. uh, we put ourselves into a situation that was just out of this world for training. It's crazy, eh? I mean, I we, remember those years. Man, we were with the, if you wanted to feel like a small fish in a big pond, you came out here to train. Yeah. It, this, this was the place to be mm-hmm. in those years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I got to train with Pete, um, Peter Reed, who, you know, taught me as much as anybody out there in terms of, uh, how to train for Ironman. And yeah, so I was just, I was just very, very, very lucky in my career. And I think I took the lessons I learned for an old guy getting into the sport and, uh, and use those well. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I loved it. I wouldn't have changed a thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I wouldn't have changed that. I mean, it's just yeah. such a great sport and, and, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Those, I, <clears throat> I remember those years, early years out in Victoria too. I remember being on deck one time and looking out and we had uh, Pete Reed, who was three-time Ironman world champion. Yep. We had Lori Bolden, who was two-time Ironman world champion. Yep. We had Simon, who just fresh off gold medal at Olympic Games. Yep. Uh, we had Greg Bennett, who was like world number one at the time. World, yep. I don't know if he was ever a world champion, but he was awfully close. Yeah. <clears throat> um, who else was in the mix? I mean, we had other people. It was just this kind of crazy group. Well, unless you're a world champion or a gold medalist, it, yeah. you were just It was of, basically them yeah. and us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. there was some other. But it was it was a, a remarkable group. And we all used to, I mean, the swims, we'd all be in there ripping yeah. it up. And it was it was crazy. And the coaching team was pretty amazing, too. Yeah. We... Um, we uh, it was it was pretty much the place to be back in those days. I mean, it's kind of funny how, you know, there was there was um, uh, where's Boulder, yeah, Boulder, yep. and there's you know San Diego. Those are still two kind of two of the meccas. Yeah, um, but Victoria was right up there back in those days. Yeah, and uh, it's changed a bit, I think, in the last little bit. But mm-hmm. um, 
But yeah. back then, holy cow, were we ever, we were lucky to be, here. we were so lucky. Yeah. 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 I, for, again, for all aspects, the athletes that were here, the coaches that were here, it was such a yeah. centralized uh, thing. It was pretty cool. And then I, I met you when I, when I basically, I was living with you. I started living with mm-hmm. you when I, when I came out here to, uh, we were crashing at Simon's pad. That's right. Broadway. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I came mm-hmm. out with my two dogs and, yeah. uh, yeah, I used and, to look uh, after your dogs. Do you remember that, Mike? Yeah, you, you sort of looked after them, Jazz. Yeah, I have yeah. a real reputation for looking after people's <laughs> dogs. I actually, as you know, I, 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 we have a dog now, which is just crazy. I mean, given, didn't I almost kill your dogs once? Well, yeah, it's not that you killed them. You just forgot that they were outside. And <laughs> I was so... You were supposed to look after them, and then I came home, and they were just wandering around the neighborhood. Oh, oh, the dogs are outside. Dude, is oh. that, that's yeah. really true. Were they yeah. really wandering around? The, They're wandering around much? the yard. They're actually yeah. just wandering around Simon's yard. Yeah. But yeah, you just forgot to put them back in the house. I remember you yeah. weren't weren't real happy with I me. I was all right. Yeah. They didn't go anywhere. Luckily, they were good dogs. That was yeah. Rex and Kona. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have, I'll share another dog story with you. My, my old triathlon coach, my first one, kind of like your Randy, was a guy named Jeff Thompson. Yeah. Uh, he's a whole other story. Amazing guy. One of my first ever coaches for skiing and then triathlon, just an awesome dude. And, uh, he went away once and asked, I mean, I was probably like 19 or something. Mm -hmm. And I went to house sit for him and look after his dog. I actually looked after his dog twice. I can't believe he let me the second time. Anyway, he went away and he left very specific instructions on how to feed his dog. And in the instructions, there was a, there's a big Tupperware thing in the garage uh-huh. full of dog food. Yeah. And the instructions very clearly said he needs one contain like one container at night <laughs> and one or one in the morning and one at night. And he, uh, Jeff was gone for five or six days, <laughs> right? Like, like a long time. Anyway, it turns out that it was like one of those tiny little bee made <laughs> honey containers, but I thought he meant like the whole dog dish. So I was filling up like morning and night for this and you know it was like a golden lab the thing was like go and buy more food no but i basically emptied this massive container of food and jeff gets home and he's like he's like where's all the food and i'm like i was feeding him and then i guess for like a week after jeff kept finding like puke and shit all over his house like Like I totally nearly (laughs) killed his dog with food. It was dog seemed to really like me though. (laughs) So then, so despite that, he asked me to dog sit again, same dog. And this is when I was training and I remember being out there again, it was like for a week. And the one time I got home from a ride and I sort of mistakenly left like an entire box of remember power bar harvest bars. Yes. So each bar was, I mean, like a heck of a lot of food. (laughs) And I got home and the dog had eaten the entire, not just all the bars, but wrappers and the box. (laughs) And like, I think Jeff might have had to take him to the vet. Like it was like not good, not good. So Uh, on that, on that, on that note, I remember Rex the one time, the only food Rex, the border collie would not eat. I remember one time I gave him a piece of power bar Yeah, and he actually took it in his mouth, took a couple of, took a couple of chews of it and then spit it out. No way. Yeah. Wow. And that's, you know, and that yeah. pretty much is how power bar performance bars tasted. Yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, they were, they were good to race yeah. on. I yeah, mean, could, totally. But they, they were chewy. I, I still chewy. have a strong masseter jaw muscle from. Yeah. Oh, and if they ever bars. got frozen. Oh my gosh. Crazy. Were, yeah. I remember volunteering at Niagara marathon once it was really cold in the morning and our job was to go and, and cut, 
power bars into pieces. It's the worst job ever. Like, like I was like, yeah. oh man, they yeah. fold it. Eh? Power bars no longer. Like they, what? Yeah, there's no more power gels. No more power gels. I don't think they make the performance bars anymore either. What do you mean? Yeah. No, there's you can't get power, power gels are no longer. Yeah. What do you mean power bar folded? That's like saying like I don't know. I don't know if they've like. I don't think they're making the performance bars and I don't think they're making the gels anymore. I don't know what they're, what they're doing, but I know you can't get the gels anymore. Like they, do they still exist as a company? I, I don't know. I, I'm honestly, I'm not too sure. Well, hopefully somebody can let us know. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah. Right in. Cause you know, the long-term spot, long-term yeah. sponsor here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mike will write you letters every month if you can get them power bars. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, you mentioned Hawaii. I know that was sort of the key race yeah, for was, you every that year. That was a big one for me every year. And when yeah. I my last year, so my last year of racing was 2011, and I really wanted to go back one more time to get like because I up to that point I'd been there ten times, and I there was one year where I had to um, drop out, and uh, I wanted to go back one more time. And it was also the first year that they had the point system, right? So, so for was, those those people who don't know that in the old days, in the good old days, we could. Uh, qualify off of one race so which is they're back to that now. they're back to that now yeah. which is yeah. way better because yeah. it nearly killed you anyway so yeah they, so I, I this last year i wanted to go back one more time and I, then i got chasing chasing points um to to go back and uh i did uh texas where i had my fastest iron man ever in in the spring and then i went and did like placid and then i wasn't sure if that was going to be quite enough points yeah. So I went and I did Canada as well. Yeah. Where I raced you, which was your that last was my one. last race. That was your last one. Yeah. And I just, you know, that was a struggle, sufferfest doing that one. Just that was my third one, and then that qualified me for Kona, which gave me four Ironmans in seven months in my last year. I rem- that was insane. So then my last Hawaii was more or less just a kind of a yeah get around, but it, I qualified. Like I yeah, I got in there. I think I got the fiftieth fiftieth pro spot or fifty spot. So it was kind of yeah. a. That like that, that, that cool. alone, honestly, that alone is a massive accomplishment. It is hard to qualify for Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. It is very hard to qualify. It, it, and it's, yeah, it, it, well, that definitely was hard, hard mm-hmm. on me, but, uh, I got to go around the course one more time, which was pretty cool. And yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was good to get that, that 10th finish in there. Yeah. Um, that's pretty amazing, man. Like, yeah. You should be super proud of that. Yeah, it's funny as you get as you get removed from it, you kind of look back and go, "Yeah, that wasn't bad." Yeah. At the time, you're never satisfied, though. I think that that's kind of is when you're an athlete, you're never satisfied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You get when you get a little bit removed from it, and you you get a bit older, and you get a bit slower. Yeah. You kind of start to think, "Wow, I was I was pretty quick." Yeah. Yeah. Um, But again, with you know what they say, with with age comes wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and when and uh, exaggerated, per, uh, like remember. Well, memory. yeah, yeah. I yeah. have an exaggerated memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The old, the older we get, the faster we were, for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, no, it was. Uh, I I had a blast. I had an awesome career, and and uh, there's not much I would have changed about it yeah. for sure. What What was it about uh, Hawaii that you like so much? I mean, obviously, it's the kind of the, the pinnacle of our sport, yeah. but there's something that really drew you to that space what was I think it? it was always you know what I, it's got to be like kind of the nbc coverage of it yeah, that, yeah you know there was that it was very just the way that 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, I used to just, I had, I, in fact, I just threw all the VHS tapes out because I realized I don't have a VHS player anymore, but I, I don't know how many times I watched the 94, 95, 96, 97. Yeah. Iron yeah. Man's over and over again on my VHS tape. So I remember the first time going there and running down Elite Drive, it was like, holy cow, this is like the holy grail of our sport. Yes, you know? yes, yes. And uh, it was just, there's just something magical about that place. I just really, I really liked racing there. Yeah. And like I say, you know, like, I think our two experiences in Hawaii are a bit different. Um, I really, I managed to do well in the heat there. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you've always said, you need to go and live in it for a while. Yeah. And I don't think yeah. you ever, you ever gave yourself that chance to go and you yeah. know, be in Hawaii for a month before or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, there's just something, just something about it there. I just absolutely loved it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I I hated the heat. I mean, I loved to I loved the race. I loved the 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 kind of mystique of the race and all the history of that race. But I think it was that it was, that kind of heat though, because you do well in Canada. In Canada, was I hot. did. Yeah, I did well in Canada. I always did well off of uh, Ontario summers because they were muggy and awful and hot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with Hawaii just being in in October, mm-hmm. like I was never coming straight off of the summer. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I, I, it, going back, I probably would have gone and lived mm-hmm. in that climate for the six month lead in. Um, I just my body, my body did great at altitude. I did really well in cold conditions, but heat, I really needed the adaptation. Well, that was the one thing I, I learned, definitely learned from uh, from Peter Reed was that he would go there, and I and I started doing this as well as I, I would go there in. Uh, september after labor day for a week to 10 days mm-hmm. you did it with me the one year yeah yep. remember yep and then come back um come back here to victoria for a few weeks and then go back 10 days out mm-hmm. and i found that worked really well to yeah go there and immerse yourself in it for a bit and then get out of it yeah because i think a lot of pros go there too early yeah and it can kind of drain you if you stay there the entire time and it's not yeah. the most exciting place to train I mean, yeah it's, yeah it's just straight i mean you have to be right into iron man for it to be yeah awesome yeah. yeah what was the uh you did spend a lot of time training with pete what were what what did you learn from him i mean obviously aside from the fact that he was just meticulous with his preparation i think that was the big thing i mean he he put he was all in on that race mm-hmm. every year that was it and he treated it like a job yeah you know he was I think he kind of came out of that world of like, he saw it as like cycling as a, you know, like it was a, it was a, it was a profession. It was Mm -hmm. a job to Mm -hmm. him. It wasn't a hobby. Right. And, uh, yeah, he was, he was just meticulous with his training and, you know, OCD with his training. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of, um, I think both of us, we've had the, we've had, the um, good fortune of racing with some amazing athletes like world champions and Olympic mm-hmm. gold medalists. And mm-hmm. you see that in those people, they have a, I don't want to say they have a screw loose, but they have, there's something that they have that mm-hmm. maybe the rest of us don't. Yeah. Yeah. Call it OCD, call it, um, you know, just attention to detail. Yeah. It's like an insatiable appetite for the preparation. Like mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I do remember that about Pete. He was just meticulous. I mean, if the ride was going to start at nine, he was there at eight fifty nine. Mm-hmm. And if you were there at nine Oh one, he was gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, he was, he was just tight. Yeah. It was, yeah, he, he prepared. I, I think he prepared for Hawaii probably better than anybody I've ever known prepared mm-hmm. for Hawaii. Mm-hmm. He was just on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's one of the most underappreciated of the Ironman champions, you know, he mm-hmm. won it three times. Yeah. You yeah. know, like that's, yeah, that's pretty crazy to, yeah. to, to have won that race three times. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a pretty special race and it continues to be. So mm-hmm. hope they don't, um, I hope they don't ever think about moving it. Yeah. You know, they, I know. Sometimes you hear those rumblings about them. Yeah. Moving I, the world championship around. I'd be surprised. It just, I don't know. Do you like going back? I mean, you go back <clears throat> occasionally now. You, you, yeah. Do you still like going there as a coach? And Yeah, it's it's definitely different. I went back a couple of years ago uh, <clears throat> to watch a couple of athletes race. And uh, yeah, it's different. Um, the race is definitely, it's it's more hype. Mm-hmm. It's definitely like it was hype when we went and yeah. now it's like over the top, Yeah, you know? Yeah. I think it's harder to qualify now. Um, I mean, it's really hard to qualify for that race yeah. now, even yeah. though there are like, I think 500 more athletes than when we started. Mm-hmm. Even qualifying <clears throat> as an age group is super hard. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, I, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> and, um, it's, it's hard to qualify. I, I miss the. Again, I don't want to sound like one of those, you know, back in the good old days, but I miss the that's days. That's what this podcast is about. The good is it old called days. the good old days? Well, that's what we'll call it, yeah. Okay, because I remember, um, like, I loved the mass start. I loved it when we all started yeah. at once. So did I, yeah. I thought that was great. I thought it was just, you know, it was, uh, yeah, there's drafting issues and stuff, but there was only 1,500 athletes back then. Mm-hmm. So it was, there wasn't as many athletes on the course. Mm-hmm. And uh, the course was different back then, too. It was, remember? yeah, course, I do remember. The course yeah. was different. Yeah. Um, you had the two transition areas back in the, in the, in the beginning. And I, I just, I, it was, although I must say as a pro, it was pretty scary when there was just the 50 of us up there up front. And mm-hmm. then you'd look back and you'd see 25 meters behind you. You'd totally. see 1,500 people. <laughs> and about 1,000 of them could swim faster. Yeah, than oh, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, it kind of, it was good for swim time. So because you'd just like draft as long as you could and then somebody else would pass you. Yes, and just yes. Drafting and, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, there was a lot of differences back then that, um, that, uh, I kind of, I, I don't know, I, I guess he's nostalgia. What do they, what nostalgia they or, yeah, it's nostalgia, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, uh, I, I still, I'm glued to the internet though. Every, not just because mm-hmm. we usually have athletes racing there, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm always glued to it because I love watching what's happening yeah. at the front. Yeah, and now I I'll bring up the internet part of it again. But mm-hmm. back when we raced, there was no live feeds, there was no internet, no. there was no Twitter. You had to wait you, to December. Yeah, you, you had to wait to get the results. <laughs> and actually, one of the guys we coached, his name's Andy Cuthbertson. He went back this year after thirty years. So he did he did Kona in eighty four and eighty eight. Yeah, I think. And the last time he did it, he was sharing some stories with us. He said the last time he did it after the race, he had to find a payphone. Uh-huh. Uh, I, people might not even know what a payphone is. Some yeah. of the, some of you youngsters. Yes. Uh, and he had to call collect uh-huh. home uh-huh. to tell them how he did. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, nobody was checking in. How else do you find out? Or you wait oh, like for the check. NBC totally. coverage to come out. Totally. So so different. The Habit Podcast is brought to you by B seventy eight Coaching. B78 delivers training programs for triathletes, runners, and cyclists. Programs are designed specifically for each individual. The B78 team of coaches has over 50 years of combined competition and coaching experience. To learn more, visit b78.is. That's b78.is. Yeah. Um... Well, this is how different it is. Like I, so this past year I raced the, um, Hawaii 70.3 and, 
I, I like I'll race one race, as you know, you yeah. always laugh at me, but I'll race one race a year. Yeah. And I'll take it really seriously for the eight weeks leading up to it. Like I'll do all the things I used to do as a pro. I'll stop drinking. I'll actually start eating really well. I'll do all the things that um, back in the day I would do. And I train, you know, I don't obviously train the volume or as hard as I used to, but I still try to do the little things that I used to do, which I thought always made a difference. Yeah. And uh, I did that this year going to the Hawaii 70.3 because mm-hmm. they had spots for, for Kona. Yeah. And I thought, oh man, I'd love to go to back to Kona one more time. And I went there and, um, I ended up like, yeah, I knew I was going to have to like, cause they had one spot per age group and I knew I was gonna have to win my age group to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I went there and I was in good shape. I thought, you know, I got, you know, and I knew, and I knew the guys who were going, the, right. the, I knew the guys in my age group that I was like, okay, these guys are good. They were like, you know, tops at, uh, um, at Hawaii the year before they'd won their age group at big races. And I was like, oh, so there's, there was a few of them there. And I ended up coming sixth in my age group. Wow. Yeah. Like wow. sixth. Yeah. And I was like, holy cow. Like I would still to do, um, to do well in my age group. Yeah. Now I would have to like to, to, you know, to, to win my age group. I would have to train like I used to train as a pro. Yeah. There is no doubt. I would have to train yeah. year round. I believe it. Which I yeah. just can't do anymore. Yeah. I mean, I can't do it physically and I can't do it mentally anymore. Mm-hmm. I've got eight weeks of focus in me i can i can train hard for eight weeks but that's about it yeah and uh no i'd have to train year round yeah and hats off to those guys i mean i am like like i was just blown away in fact the guy who won the entire race Mm -hmm. was uh uh, charles perot canadian guy yep in my age group so 45 to 49 like three of the guys in the top five or six i think were in the 45 to 49 age group so you know it's just it's just crazy Mm -hmm. and um and, uh, yeah, so it's, I still want, I like, I would, I will honestly say I'd love to go back and race Hawaii one more time. Yeah. So I'm just waiting until I turn 50. Yeah. Maybe so. we'll do it together, Mike. Jazzy, when you maybe, turn 50? Maybe we'll, well, you'll be 51, 52, whatever you are. Yeah. Maybe we'll go yeah. back and race the same age group. Well, we can't race the same race because I don't know if I'll be able to beat you. I never did in, in our career. <laughs> in so Hawaii, in yeah. Hawaii, you'll yeah, have yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> I do remember uh, every time I did Hawaii, I think you rode by me at some point, and I was just groveling on the side of the road. But no, there was the there was the one year when I walked the marathon, and I was I was just coming down uh, Polanyi, and you oh, were yeah. you were, you'd gotten your we, bike. Yeah, we'd finished dinner. You'd finished your dinner. <laughs> you were going home. That was the only year. All yeah. the other years, I do remember <laughs> once. Oh, there goes Mike, and I'm on the side of the road barfing. Oh, man. Yeah. But maybe we'll go back. I can't promise you, and the chances yeah. are very slim. It's never going to happen. No, me neither. Yeah. yeah, forget yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. We got hockey. On that yeah. note, I got hockey. You do have Look hockey. Look at that. Look at that. And we're running out of recording time. Mike, thanks, yeah. buddy. It's been a treat, man. That was awesome. Yeah. It's always it's fun. Been a treat. Always fun rehashing the good old days. The, the good old my days, buddy Mike. indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wish I was playing hockey with you tonight. I wish you were too, but I will. Uh, I'll get in a fight for you. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I can sit out three games. I think you're going to be playing probably like you're going to be triple shifting tonight by the looks of things. Yeah, I think we have seven guys. Yeah. My favorite kind of hockey. Yeah. 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 Old time anyway. hockey. Yeah. All right, dude. Mike, thanks, buddy. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Talk to you soon. Over and out. Hey, thanks for tuning in to The Habit Podcast. Make sure you check us out on Instagram at The Habit Podcast, where you'll find pictures of our guests and teasers about upcoming episodes. Until next time, thanks for listening.